Welcome to My Name is Not Steve, the podcast by storytellers about storytelling with people not named Steve. Hey, this is Pete Bauer. And I'm Dorothea Bauer. And this is My Name is Not Steve. We are still not named Steve. Nope. We are storytellers that talk about storytelling. Yes, we are. And today, Dorothea, is a very special episode. Yes, it is. Today is the Star Wars episode. We call it Star Wars A Newer Hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to tell you a little Star Wars story, if I could. No. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, I know we had talked about talking about Star Wars today, but instead... <laughs> we had talked about talking about it. <laughs> we did. That's an interesting Just idea. Just now. But what if we talked about dolphins instead? Well, then we'd have to rename the episode, and <laughs> since we've already named it, I think we should go forward. All right. So this will probably include a lot of spoilers. It definitely will. That's that's exactly, this is a spoiler-filled episode. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen The Force Awakens, then leave, leave now. Run for your life. Or don't. I mean, if you don't care about Star right. Wars, then it doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> You can roll over and fall back to sleep if you'd like. All right, so I want to tell you a little Star Wars story. Do you see there's this protagonist that's on like a very arid desert planet? Okay. And they're not living with their parents. And they long to get off of that planet, but they don't know how. They feel like they're trapped. They're like an orphan. And then a droid enters the picture, pulls them into a war that they've heard about or they're aware of, And they meet someone part of this battle, including a rogue pilot. And this droid leads them into this battle. They eventually fight good and evil. This main character has to face off against the bad guy in the black outfit. And at the end of the movie, they have to destroy what is basically a floating planet that's really mechanical that can actually kill other planets. Now, which movie is that? Is that Star Wars A New Hope or Star Wars The Force Awakens? C. (laughs) Both? Both. (laughs) And that is the crux of the problem. I think we already mentioned on this podcast how I saw The Force Awakens first. And when I finished seeing it, you asked me how it was. And I said, it's very Star Wars. And you didn't know what to do with that. But I knew if I said anything else, the movie would be ruined. The thing is, I think as soon as the movie started for you, you knew it was going to happen. Well, I think everyone who has ever seen the first Star Wars movie knew what was going to happen because it happened. Now, J.J. Abrams directed this, and he also directed the reboot of Star Trek. And what worked in Star Trek is that they took the known universe and they started kind of in the same path. And then they shifted completely because they altered timelines. This one, they didn't alter anything. It was the exact same movie. Which was, frankly, the problem that the second Star Trek movie had. Right. It was the exact same storyline. As the second Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. And he apologized for that, actually, in an interview for Star Wars, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he realized, gosh, I keep telling the same story over and over again. The funny thing about The Force Awakens to me personally is that my best friend, who I adore completely, she really doesn't enjoy A New Hope that much. She thinks it's okay, but for the most part, she prefers The Empire Strikes Back. And that's for understandable reasons. The Empire Strikes Back is a really good movie, but she loves The Force Awakens, loves it. Like, her online blog 
is covered, plastered with photos of these characters and interviews and blog posts. I mean, she just loves it. And I think it's great that she's such a fan of it, but I don't quite understand how she dislikes A New Hope and loves this movie so much. I don't either, because it is the same movie. Now, all that being said, even though there was not a single surprise, not even the the big thing that happened in the story, not a single surprise occurred in that movie. However, it was still really enjoyable. And I think that was because of the casting and especially the two main actors. They carried the whole thing. And it was cool to see Han Solo and Princess Leia and all that. That was kind of neat. General Leia. General Leia. <laughs> but it was really those main characters' personality and, I don't know, they just brought a humanity to those roles. They were actually better actors than the original New Hope actors, you know? And the script wasn't quite as corny as no. the original dialogue. So no. that, that also aided the story. What I really enjoyed about the film, though, was that the transitions were very similar to how the movie was originally made, which you don't see very often anymore because technology has surpassed what was capable before. And they still had these slide wipes and and it was just really cool. I think the reason that the dialogue was so effective in this movie, The Force Awakens, and not so much, obviously, in the first one, A New Hope, is that Lawrence Kasdan, who also wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, who also wrote Silverado, he also wrote Empire Strikes Back. So everyone always agreed that Empire Strikes Back was the best written one. The dialogue was very funny. Han Solo is always calling Princess Leia, you know, your worshipfulness or your highness or whatever in a very sarcastic way. And so he's really good at infusing humor into these kind of battle scenes and these intense situations. So that really played well in this. What really disappointed me, though, with all of the talent involved in this movie, it ends up still coming short. And this especially because, again, there was nothing new. There was no reason to repeat A New Hope. Everyone was going to see this movie. Everyone. Mm -hmm. They could have done anything with this movie. And yet they ended up doing a remake of the first movie. What I liked is that Han Solo even called out some stuff. Like, they're like, well, how are we going to destroy this, basically, the new Death Star? He's like, oh, there's always some way to destroy these things. You know, he's playing off the first time. And that was funny, you know, if you're there. But I, I'm just amazed that someone said, after all the crap that happened with George Lucas and him kind of, as you said, made those prequels, which are basically fan films, and even losing what happened in the stories that he created before, because what he made in the prequels doesn't make sense in relation to that. Even with all that knowledge, they still didn't do anything new, which is amazing to me. There have been a lot of theories floating around online about what the future of Star Wars is going to hold. And one of them is that Kylo Ren, who's basically Darth Vader, and Rey, who's basically Luke Skywalker, is that they're siblings and that they're secret siblings. And it's about Kylo Ren's redemption story and all of that other stuff. And I'm just like... No, because that already happened. Right. Like, Please if, if don't you, do that again. If you're Please gonna... don't do that again. <laughs> no. Uh, so let's no. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the Darth Vader character. What's his name? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Let's talk about him. Or Ben. Ben. If you're dad. If you're Han Solo. If you're Han Solo. <laughs> so he's the child, the love child of Han Solo and Princess Leia. General. While she was princess when she got pregnant, I'm guessing. And then her planet was destroyed in like the first movie. So, hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's the princess of one. <laughs> That's awful. Okay, so they have a child, and he or two maybe. Who, ah. <laughs> <didn't>. <laughs> so then he, um, 
So he goes to get training in the Force, and it goes poorly. And then he turns into Darth Vader, basically. I had some real problems with this. Not with the story idea, because the story idea had a crap ton of potential. It was actually just the execution, and more importantly, the casting. I thought the guy who was cast as the bad guy was the most unintimidating person I'd ever seen. Yes. He looked like, I don't know, just an Italian-American. He looked like an evil Josh Groban. <laughs> that's true. And I don't think that's the actor's fault. I just oh, no, think he got cast in the movie. He got cast right. in the movie, and he played it to the best of his ability, but I don't think that he was the right choice. No, because here's my problem. He didn't look anything like his parents. Right. Anything like them. So what he should have, in my mind, looked like was they should have taken the pictures of Harrison Ford when he was cast in the original Star Wars and then go find an actor that looks like him. And I think that would have been more shocking to the Star Wars fans to see the new Darth Vader unmask and have it be Han Solo. You know, that would just be really cool to witness. And part of my problem was that he really was not intimidating enough. He just didn't Right, look he didn't scary. have any of that charisma or anything that was intimidating. And he wasn't scarred. You know, there was nothing that the mask really hid. And if you're going to unmask this villain, it has to be scarier than being masked. Does well, that make sense? Right, because the reason Darth Vader has a mask is because he needs it. Because he can't breathe. Right. He has a mask just for affectation. It's just, it's a show. It's a play. I mean, there's no reason that he's wearing that at all except to mimic Darth Vader. I mean, it really, I don't know. It all was less than it should have been. And what's even more disappointing to me was the way they handled the confrontation between Han Solo and his son. Mm-hmm. So prior to that, Han Solo and Princess Leia are talking about their son, and they're talking about where things went wrong and and that she trusts him and thinks he's going to be fine, and Han Solo's a little, I don't know, you know? And so when Han Solo meets him, it would have been awesome if he wasn't sure if he was going to kill his son or not. I completely agree. Han Solo should have had the idea, I need to shoot first, just like in the first movie. Yes. Right? I'm just talking about the way that you structure a scene for maximum potential. So you want as much drama, as much suspense and conflict as possible. So Han Solo's walking down this long catwalk or walkway, whatever you want to call it. Which as soon as he went out there, you should have been... He's dead. He's dead. If you didn't see that coming, I I, I, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I weep for the future. So what the filmmakers decided to do was to make the betrayal of their son the thing in that scene, Right. That was the purpose of it. And in order to maximize the betrayal of the son, you maximize then the trust of the dad, right? That's how you maximize that. To me, it would have been really interesting because I I play in these worlds, right? I I love to imagine other scenarios that these characters could be in. I play Battlefront. I'm actually playing in those (laughs) worlds, but go ahead. I play in these worlds in my imagination. But I was thinking about that scene and other ways it could have gone down. And when Kylo Ren was reading Ray's mind, he said, you think of Han as a father. And he's like, I think you would have found him a disappointment. I thought, man, that would have been so much more powerful if, let's say, Kylo Ren was expecting his dad to come. And Han Solo comes and he sees Kylo Ren standing, you know, with the mask on the bridge and all that other stuff. And... And Han Solo comes to the conclusion that he has to kill his son, right? He has to because he has to save all these other people. He doesn't want to kill his son. He wants to believe that there's good there. Right. It's not a family drama. This is the whole galaxy at risk. But he has to save all these people. So he comes to that conclusion and he tries to negotiate with them and he doesn't, 
he doesn't get any feedback. So he like holds up his gun is like, man, I have to kill his son. And then he's stabbed in the back with a lightsaber because the guy was a decoy. And then to me, that line would have been so much more powerful if after Kylo Ren had killed his father, who's about to kill him, he would have said, I guess we both wound up disappointments or something like that. You know what I mean? Like after something tragic like that, but just in a interrogation scene that didn't really hold as much value to me. So again, they maximize the betrayal by maximizing Han's trust, right? So you, you raise up the trust and then it's twisted on you and, and that, that falls apart. In my mind, what you're saying should have happened. Han Solo should have had that conversation with Princess Leia, soothed Princess Leia, and then went to Chewie goes, I have to go face my son and I may have to kill him, right? That would have been better, right? So all that tension is sitting there, out there, waiting for that conflict to happen. When it shows up, what he should have done is he's walking down that long catwalk, which is like, you know, fashion week. It's so long <laughs> out there. He should have, like, unclicked the holster right? so that the gun is ready. And if he just did that, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, he may kill his son. You could have even kept the scene exactly the same, except it would have changed everything, right? Because you're like, wow, he may just be killing his son. So, And then you could play off whether he's bringing the gun out or not. or what, And then you could play with the trust of Han and his son. But first they unmask him, and you're like really? That's his son? And then you see it. Honestly, Harrison Ford's not a great actor. He never has been a great actor. He's a good action movie actor, but he's not a great actor. So he didn't really do a good job of hiding what was going to happen, you know, with maybe conflicting emotions in him or something. It was just very obvious. And so you're just kind of like, oh, Han, you fool. And it's like, of course, the lightsaber is just going to pierce him because that's what happens. But there may be another theory involved. Now, there's some fan whose dad had a theory, and I don't know who these people are, but the theory is kind of cool. Kylo Ren says in the movie that he has to complete Darth Vader's work. The dad's theory is that Darth Vader's real work, after he was redeemed, was to kill the source of the dark side, which is that whatever that person is, not the emperor. Sloop or whatever. Right, sloop or whatever, yeah. So the theory is, is that he understands that and Han understands that when they have this conversation on the catwalk and Han realizes he has to sacrifice himself for this greater role of keeping his son's identity and mission appear to be against the rebels when in truth he's actually long term wants to actually kill Sloop, which is very like Darth Vader wanting to kill the Emperor, which also happened. I mean, that would be interesting. It, it genuinely would, because when I first heard that theory, it honestly had not occurred to me. But the thing about that is, is that if you're going to play this hidden secret character, you have to have some level of redemption to you from the beginning for people to care that you've been on this really long and arduous road, because like he destroyed a whole several planets. In this, and people. And people. <laughs> but like those planets were inhabited by millions of people and species. And he destroyed them in this movie. Like, that was part of his job in this movie was right. to destroy the governing body. So even if that is his redemption story, even if he is killing this bad guy, the thing is, is that in the process, he killed millions of innocent people. Right. And that's just, that's hard for me to overcome. It's kind of the problem that Man of Steel had, where I know Man of Steel has to fight Zod. I know Superman has to do that. But how many people died in the process? Yeah, including apparently Bruce Wayne's wife. What you're talking about is very much the problem with the third prequel, where you have Natalie Portman trying desperately to love Anakin Skywalker, even though he just slaughtered a whole bunch of kids, right? And, and she's like, that's okay, baby. And it's creepy, because she's older, and he was like 
12 when they met. I know. And she was a princess. I know. It's wrong. But, but my point is, it's the same problem, right? It's like, okay, you want to understand the potential redemption of Anakin at that phase in his life, but he just slaughtered a whole bunch of, like, the whole village of sand people and whatever, right? And she's like, yeah, that's okay. And it's the same thing where if this guy, Kylo Ren, has a redemption story, well, it better be a damn good one to overcome all the evil that he's perpetrated in the name of this quest. So we'll see what happens. See, to me, the real story in Star Wars that they never really went down. So it's it's in my, my head how this story plays out. But what I've picked up from watching all these films is that the real relationships, the real conflict is the character's relationship with the Force. The Force is like the deity in these stories. And to me, the good guys submit to the quote-unquote will of the Force, and the bad guys try to control the Force and everyone else through the Force. So when I think about the villains in the Star Wars universe, it's usually about how much power they want to have, and it's about their quest for power and to feel superior to other people. And I think that's a really interesting storyline that they give little hints at throughout the films, but never really took the time to go down. And I think if they had, it would have been really interesting. I agree with you. And what's interesting is that Disney is also making other Star Wars movies that are not part of this like storyline that we're on right now. There's a They're basically going to start making Star Wars movies in the Star Wars universe, kind of like, you know, the Marvel Universe movies, right? So they're they're already in the process of making other movies. Or like Harry Potter. And it's actually really cool that film companies are starting to do that because if you want to spend more time in a universe, you don't necessarily have to seek out a group of people writing fan fiction. You know, the company's going to make more stories for you to enjoy. And I think that's really cool because, again, from a novel perspective, from a novel writing perspective, this whole universe thing is very novel-like. After the Star Trek TV series ended, Paramount started to hire writers to write Star Trek novels. So there's a ton of sci-fi novels in the Star Trek universe that existed in between them making movies. And so what they're doing now with Marvel expanding their universe and Star Wars expanding their universe and DC Comics expanding their universe, it's all kind of that idea of it's not just now the plot from A to Z that matters anymore. It's the world that A to Z exists in and what other stories can you do? And that's really exciting, actually, because the Star Wars universe is full of so many cool characters. Pretty much you can do anything in it. I'm really excited for that development, actually. I'm, I think it's a really cool direction for the film industry to go in. I'm glad that that's a path that they're going down. And really, we have comic books to thank for that because they're the ones who pioneered that in film. Right. Yeah, because as they wrote comic books, the, they would add a villain or a hero, and then their universe would expand you know, accordingly. So the thing that really, as we talked about, made the Star Wars movie is the cast. I mean, those Absolutely. That, especially the woman playing Rey, uh, which is the Luke Skywalker character. Her name's Daisy Ridley. And she was, again, one thing we talk about about Shia LaBeouf that we love so much is that the emotions are right under the surface. So even if he's worried about his car that turns into a robot, <laughs> he still is able to exude what appears to be real emotion about his worry. I mean, he's so good at reaching that depth. And she did an excellent job, I thought, in connecting us with this whole journey through her. And I thought she was amazing. And so was the guy who played Finn, John Boyega, the, the stormtrooper who rebelled against his duties because it wasn't his thing. The humor that he brought to it was just, I mean, Fantastic. they were yeah, tremendous in their relationship and their interactions were great. But when you talk about missed opportunities, when you had this great main character of Rey, she confronts the Darth Vader guy, Kylo Ren, 
At one point, the way they shot it, you think that she cut off his head. And I was so insanely flabbergasted by that moment. I was like, did she just kill him? Right. Did she just behead him? Which... What is happening? Would have been awesome. Yes, because it was unexpected. Right. In a movie full of nothing that's surprising, they could have gotten away with saying, listen, the reason we're making this so familiar is we're going to freak you out right now. One of the things that happened, and I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I'll do it really quickly because it applies here. In the show Gotham, they had a character who you think is the Joker. He's exactly the Joker as you imagine it. He's just some nut guy who escapes in a sane asylum. And he has this maniacal laugh and everything like that. And as part of the plot, he ends up getting killed publicly. And you're like, what? They've introduced the Riddler. They've introduced Batman. they I thought they just introduced the Joker and they just killed the Joker off before he really becomes a Joker. And this is Batman. Like, this is the story of Gotham. Gotham is the story of Batman. You can't just kill off the Joker. Before he really becomes the Joker, right? So, because these are all the origin stories. So, and what was so great about that is that they said that his laugh, his evilness kind of like was a virus in society and would spawn others. And so it would have been great in this moment in Star Wars if that were this case, right? Like, the problem with the Force is that someone always ends up being Darth Vader. That would be cool, right? Invariably opposes good versus evil. Maybe that's the inherent nature of the Force, is that it's never all good or never all evil. It needs a balance. Right, maybe so, it's it's naturally chaotic. Right, so it would be cool is that as there's always a Luke Skywalker raised up in the Force universe, there's always a Darth Vader. And so this guy, Kylo Ren, got swooped up into that Force universe, went down the path through his own free will of being the bad guy, and then gets whacked off and it's like, wow, he's dead. Now there's going to be another one that rises. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. Right. But he survived and you're like, oh, okay, never mind. I, I was almost surprised there for a minute. But you know, we don't know what's going to come. I, I hope we don't know what's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really frustrating. Now, J.J. Abrams has said that the next script is so good that he wished he were directing it. And I really love J.J. Abrams. Like, if I could meet anyone in Hollywood, I would want to meet J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I would just want to pick his brain about working with people that I admire. You know, it's just his story is amazing. But Or Beyonce, because I wonder what it's like to have that much power over people. Because <laughs> people love Beyonce. I mean, she's gorgeous and talented. And again, the reason we're frustrated is one... I. I mean, look, if anyone's seen the Star Wars movies, like most of the people who went to this movie had seen, none of them were surprised by what happened. And that shouldn't happen in a movie. I mean, everyone in the world was going to see this movie anyway. And they played it so safe, so safe. And I go back to Star Trek. I remember watching the Star Trek reboot that J.J. Abrams directed, and he loved lens flares in that movie. There's a crap ton of them. It was almost distracting. It was. It was. But I remember when they did the time shift, right? And they blow up Vulcan. And you're like, all right, this is not the world I know. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. They basically took all of the characters at the beginning and said, this is the exact same people, except we changed their universe. And now they're going on paths you've never seen before. And then they make Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was maybe Star like, Wars will do the reverse. Uh, I hope so. But the thing about Star Trek that was also so insane was that from the very beginning they changed up the story. Because if you're a die-hard Star Trek fan, you know that James Kirk was raised with a father, right? And then and they dad, kill him off. Yeah, his dad dies in the beginning. His dad dies at the very beginning in the most honorable way possible. Yes. It's so incredible because that movie really starts off by grabbing like your heartstrings. You're like, it was. You, yes. you feel like you're gonna cry. You're like. 
This movie, I just wanted to see Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing making me feel? And she, she gave birth and, and her husband died all at the same time. And I love where she's like, you should be here. You should be here. And it's right. He should because be here. Because he should be. Right. They should never have run into that Romulan ship ever. Yeah, it, it <laughs> so shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have been there. Our frustration really comes from the fact that they could have done anything. When you start writing anything, screenplay, novels, it is literally a blank page. You know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And they basically picked up the first script and just made some edits and like, you know, augmentations of like, ooh, let's make technology this and whatever. It was the same movie. It was really frustrating. But it was still enjoyable. It was enjoyable, and that's the funny thing about it. I left there going, man, I had such a good time, and yet I wasn't surprised at all. I've never had that experience in a movie before. But for me, the funny thing that you mentioned is that it really is very predictable, and and they could have asked what would have happened if we did something different. And maybe they did and decided not to, but I think that was a missed opportunity. Because one of the things I love about writing is the moment where you just go, well, I could do this, and you know what? I'm the writer, so I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) You know, there's a great moment where my son was reading the first novel of Neil and Prey, and there's a moment that's really surprising that everyone is really surprised by. And he's like, oh, now everyone can die, right? Like, and that's why you do that. You set it up so that you don't know what's going to happen. You surprise us so you don't know what's going to happen. So when I thought that Han Solo's son got his head chopped off, I'm like, perfect. Now anything can happen, and now I'm excited even more. And could you imagine what the scene between Leia and Rey would have been like if Rey came back from fighting, Han was dead because of her son, and Rey came back having killed her son? So much potential. So much, oh my gosh, just a wealth of, it's a whole universe of potential. And they made the same movie. It's really, it's really frustrating. But there is a new hope. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that obviously it made... I don't know. I think the official total is a cabillion. A cabillion? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's a new currency type. And it made a cabillion dollars. So I think it was a success. It was a success. Yeah. I, I would argue the same. For a small movie. I thought it did well. <laughs> <laughs> For, you know, an independently made film. <laughs> yes. Now, the theory is also at the end of the movie, again, spoilers here, but at the end of the movie, Ray finds Luke Skywalker, who's been in hiding, because Luke Skywalker was the one training Han's son before it all went terribly, terribly wrong. I actually saw this really funny post online about Luke Skywalker being the Jedi master to the next generation of Jedi, and about how funny that was, because he did not like follow any of the rules of being a Jedi <laughs> when true. he was training. He's just like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go fight people with lightsabers. That's true. He didn't do anything. He came in really, really late, and he just ignored everybody. And it only came through at the end because of Ben Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the funny thing is, is that as you get older, you get bigger, your metabolism slows, you become more sedentary, and fat starts showing up on your body in aggressive form. Now, Mark Hamill was overweight. And he does mostly voiceover work now. Yeah, he does a lot, like most of the animations you've seen. Like we're watching The Last Airbender, and he's the villain. It's insane. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, you don't know it from listening to him. He's really good at that job. But anyway... So he looked a little chunky when he's revealed at the end of the movie. And then you find out that he actually lost 30 pounds to be in the movie. And you're like, wow, Mark. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, he's successful. Leave him alone. No, I'm just saying that (laughs) to have to lose 30 pounds to look overweight, that's something, you know? 
You know what's really funny? What? And this happens a lot. I, I think actually someone made this, but at work I take pictures and videos of people for work purposes, and <laughs> <laughs> it came out very wrong. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified Jeez, that. Louise, that that sounded so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> They don't know. They don't know that I'm was, doing this. That was wrong. <laughs> anyway. And every- you work in communication. Yes, I I'm- think we should clarify that. <laughs> you work in internal communications. <laughs> oh, my. That was awesome. Anyway, so the most common request I get from literally everyone I have to either take a picture of or videotape is, can I make them look thinner? Right. And I'm like, man, someone would make a ton of money if they could take off the 10 pounds. Like whatever your picture was, take off 10 pounds. So work on that. No, I'm too busy. I, I got a lot going on in my life. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you convinced me. So Star Wars, Dorothea. A newer hope I'm, awakens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we go back to the surprise thing, the, the thing that made the Empire Strikes Back so brilliant was the cliffhanger. Right. Because usually the middle movies suffer because they're the middle piece of the journey so that, you know, it's not over and it's really hard to come to any sort of satisfying conclusion because you need primarily all the main characters to exist in the last movie. The humor that Kazdan added in the relationships in that movie and the insane cliffhanger. And we talked about where with binge consumption, you, you don't have to wait. You mentioned the other night that it's actually satisfying sometimes when you do have to wait for something to come out when you first seen it and when that came out and we knew we were gonna have to wait three years at least to find out the answer if darth vader was luke's father that that's all people talked about i really do enjoy being able to binge watch shows i think it's it's fun to be able to live in a world for a little while and then move on from it but i will say that there are certain episodes that aren't as powerful when you binge watch them right like in this most recent season of doctor who Some of the episodes toward the end of the season were so incredible that I just spent all week thinking about it. Like all of the elements that came to light because I really spent time thinking about the consequences of this and and how fantastic the characters were and the the acting and all of that stuff. And, And then I couldn't wait for the next episode to come out because I'd had this week to really sit with those feelings and digest that episode. And when you do binge watch these episodes, they're still critically very good episodes, but I just don't think they resonate as well with the viewer. Yeah, when The Empire Strikes Back came out, I was 15. I was 18 when Return of the Jedi came out. So that's three years of my life, where you're, especially as a teenager. You're just talking about this universe so much. I beg and plead with the makers of the new Star Wars movie franchise, please do not remake the original trilogy. Please. Okay, you already remade A New Hope. Don't remake Empire and don't <laughs> remake Return of the Jedi. We all own those. We don't need to own. Now, I will own probably this one if they release it in 3D. <laughs> But it's I don't, Disney, so they probably will. But I don't need to own it, honestly. I would own it because I like the the characters, but I'm a character person. Like, well, then, I, yeah, and I true. can also fast forward through Kylo Ren. Sorry, Perpetua, I do love you, but no, no to Kylo Ren. Yeah, he's so miscast. You know, it's interesting because thinking about the timing of releases is so important, especially when you're in advertising and marketing and things like that. And it's interesting because Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is coming out next year, I think. Or this and that's year. the Harry Potter movie, and right? And that's a, a movie in the Harry Potter universe. Right. But it's not a Harry Potter movie. Right. And I think they waited the perfect amount of time to release that film, like to create it and release it, because 
it's distant enough from the last Harry Potter movie that the actors have gone on to do other things so you don't just see them in those roles anymore and you've been able to look back on those memories fondly and go man that was such a good part of my childhood if you grew up with those movies and it's far enough away that you don't miss Harry Potter but it's also far enough away that you do miss the wizarding world. Right. Because like, I'm glad that Harry Potter is not going to be in this next film. I'm glad that I'm not going to spend more time with the trio because their story is done. Right. But I'm also really glad that I still get to live in this wizarding world for a little while and hear more stories because that was something that JK Rowling did really well too, is that once she finished those books, she created a series of folk stories that are wizarding folk stories. And, and she allowed her fans to live in those worlds a little bit more. Now to finish up the Star Wars piece, George Lucas created this great universe. The worst thing that can happen in the Harry Potter universe is for J.K. Rowling or Rowling to personally make three movies which suck and then destroy your love or diminish your love of the universe only to have in like 15 years someone remake Harry Potter except call it something else. Because that's basically what they've done with Star Wars. <laughs> I really don't think that she's going to mess this up. I I'm trust, just kidding. I'm kidding. I trust her because, you know, it's her world. Right. But the other thing, too, is that the Harry Potter fandom is impressive. Like, the analysis of these stories that you can read. And there's some actually really good non-disgusting fan fiction, because most fan fiction is disgusting. Right. They always take it to a perverted place. Yes. But I have read some fan fiction where it's like, what would happen if Harry had to fight a hippogriff? And then you get to read about this battle sequence because someone wanted to live in that world just as we do in our heads. Imagine different storylines. Some people just write them down. And I have read some really cool stories that way. So I think even if this movie was awful, the fans would just not accept it and be like, here's what really happens. I have a theory which makes all of the Star Wars movies make sense. Okay. The consequence of the Force, and I know this is going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm not, is that the same story repeats itself. (laughs) right because it's good versus evil on repeat right well like you take the original trilogy he did so many well i'm sorry the prequels he did so many homages to the other one that it was kind of similar and then you have the originals and now we're rebooting so maybe maybe the force just means that well there's three movies that we keep remaking over and over and over again there's only one story that would suck. That would yeah, be a very gonna, bad we're, choice. We're not going <laughs> to think about that. But that's the only thing that makes sense to me. And on that note, yes, um, our names are not named Steve. We are not. If you'd like to contact us, you can contact me at Pete at PetePowerBooks.com. You can also comment in the comment section. Or rate us on iTunes. Yeah, rate us on iTunes. It's, you know, it is important. It's kind of funny. I never really grovel for ratings or anything like that, but... A friend of ours is an author, and she read Neil and Prey, and uh, she has a, a pretty big fan base. And she's like, well, I'll write a review. That way, you know, you guys can get some more direction. But it's not her style of book at all. She's a fantasy author, and this is thriller, young adult thriller. So it's really not the kind of story that she enjoys. And she's like, well, I'm going to write you around here. And my dad's like, well, is it your kind of story? And she's like, well, no. And he's like, well, you know, rate it honestly. If you think it's this, do this. And she ended up not rating it all. She wrote a review, but she ended up being like, I, I don't feel like I can honestly rate the story because it's not my type of book. Right. So I honestly do not seek out ratings. And and if people, like I've had people read my stuff that go, I enjoyed the story. I just don't like that type of story. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, that's fine. But the reason we asked for this as far as like iTunes and things like that is that it does matter for those people. This year we're trying to expand this podcast to reach uh, a greater audience and so it will help people understand the value of this so we want you to be honest 
And if you could just go on iTunes and rate it, that would be that'd be very helpful to us. You don't have to, but it would certainly help. Be educated consumers. Leave reviews and read reviews. Well, absolutely. I mean, when's the last time you went on and said, wow, this has no reviews. I'm getting it. <laughs> right? Nobody ever does that with anything. No. I even compare how many reviews a product has if it's comparable in price. Because even if it has four stars, but only like 70 reviews, which is a lot. But then another product has like... 3.5 stars, but it has 250 reviews. Right. Yeah. Guess what I'm going with. Which makes me think of my books. So if you've read my novels, one thing I've learned about Amazon is that if you leave a review, well, if you leave a star review and no words, it doesn't really tally. So if you're going to leave a review, if you've read the novel, I know a lot of people read it, so I, I, I rated it. You never see that. It doesn't even come up as a review. For mine or anything else on Amazon, if you put stars to it, if you don't put words with it, just even one sentence, it won't really count. So for those of you who have read my stuff and would like to leave a review, please make sure you include at least a single sentence about what you thought about it. Good, bad, or ugly is fine with me. And that's it, Dorothea, the special Star Wars A Newer Hope episode. No, it's A Newer Hope. A Newer Hope Awakens is more accurate. A Newer Hope. (laughs) That's true. A Newer Hope Awakens, and we hope the next one is not A Newer Empire Strikes Back. Well, no, it'd be the First Order Strikes Back. Come on, Dad. (laughs) Keep up with the terminology. And then it would be the Return of the Republic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.